Do you ever feel like the whole world has gone insane? Yeah, you're not alone. I feel that way. In fact, the majority of people feel that way. The truth is, we were all sold this great lie that being part of a silent majority was something we should be proud of. Being a silent majority allowed a very loud, angry group of people to control everything. And problem there is, that small group of people, they're communists. I say that myself as someone who's the son of a Cuban refugee who had to flee communism. I know the reality of how important the American dream is. I know how quickly we can lose freedom. And that's why this is our last stand. I'm your host, Robbie Starbuck, and I'm going to be diving deep on the issues and people that matter so that together we can save the American dream and once again become a loud majority that steers the direction of this country. If you're with me and you want to spread truth and wake up the masses, you're in the right place. Together, one piece of truth at a time, we can save America. Hey everybody, we're uh, we're on now live. Uh, good to see y'all. We're going to be talking about the Georgia race that happened yesterday, why we lost, and how we can fix it, how we can win again. Uh, but we're also going to be talking about um, issues within the RNC because that plays heavily into it, and um, this furry story. So I don't normally talk about furries, obviously, but. If you ever wondered what Joe Biden meant when he said this, let's play dog the clip. Dog face pony soldier. You said you were. If you didn't catch that, the dog face dog faced pony soldier clip of Joe Biden. I always wondered what what was he talking about. I mean, we wonder that all the time with Joe Biden. But in this specific case, we finally, I think, got an explanation today. So if you didn't see yet, this uh, tweet thread that I put out, it, it went a little viral this morning. Let's go ahead and put it up. Good morning, everyone. While all of our enemies. Uh, strengthen their military might. Ours is normalizing puppy sex kink, men deciding that they're women, CRT for training, respecting pronouns so we don't offend anyone, and maybe drafting women to the front lines in the future. Okay? And that is because of these photos. That guy over there on the left is a man who is apparently retiring today, or as he calls himself, an army dog. Um, And he's a part of this sex kink that uh, likes to wear dog masks. Um, And no, I'm not joking. This is not a joke. I desperately wish I was joking. Every day it feels like we're closer and closer to some version of Sodom and Gomorrah. But next to him, you'll see somebody who said, congratulations, sir, you've earned it. Somebody in the Navy. I wish I was joking. People, we're in a dark place filled with evil. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. Unless our strategy is to make our enemies die laughing because they can't breathe anymore, we are failing. We are failing as a country. We are failing as a people, as a society. I mean, you pick a word and we are failing at it because we have lost every semblance of reality. We've lost every semblance of common sense. This is a world of pure lunacy. We call it clown world because... It really is lately. I mean, you look around. This is crazy. And this is the truth. I'd be willing to bet you guys, our leaders in the military, they will not come out and speak out against this. You know why? Because they're more afraid of, quote unquote, kink shaming somebody than they are of allowing this to become a norm that's acceptable in society. And this is, you know, this is par for the course with the left. I mean, they will never be happy with any level of hedonism and debauchery. They will always up it. They will always go to the next level. And it's why 
you know, you can never accept one level because no matter what, they're going to push for the next level. And so that's why I always tell people, don't compromise with evil. There's no compromise to be had. You just have to call it out. You have to accept that this exists and you have to accept that we must fight it and we must protest it at every turn, that we can't be silent about it. We can't allow it to be normalized. We can't allow it to be pushed on our children. But this stuff, this psychotic stuff, it's real. You know, I wish it was fake, but it is real. This is what's happening in our country. All of those things, I'm going to pull it back up. All these things I listed, you know, from these guys normalizing this crazy stuff to men deciding that they're women in the military. You know, obviously, we just had an episode covering this where one of the poster children of this that was used was Chris Beck, a Navy SEAL who had an extraordinary military history, who came out as, uh, you know, saying he wanted to become a woman and then just came out on my show, you know, uh, a decade later and is detransitioning and is um, accepting that he never was a woman and that the whole thing was, you know, really used almost like a psychological operation to, to push and normalize and popularize this. So, and then CRT for training, we already know that's happening. The proof is out there. You can see the training materials, the respect for pronouns so we don't offend anybody. This came up recently and I'm like, who, who do they need to not offend? Is this something, are we going to eventually get to a place where they ask for pronouns before they shoot somebody in, in a conflict? I mean, what are the rules of engagement going to change to? Are they going to change to, you have to ask pronouns first. You have to ask nicely before you fire upon an enemy. I mean, are, are we going to need to check and make sure that, you know, they don't have any disabilities and stuff to make sure that it's fair what we're doing? Do we need to make sure we have somebody of the same height in, in that combat to make sure that we don't have an unequal playing field between our soldiers? And this is lunacy. OK, the whole thing's lunacy. And, and you could go, well, it's not going to lead there. Well, did you think it would lead here? Did you think it would lead to critical race theory being taught to our soldiers, soldiers being kicked out for refusing an experimental vaccine? Did you think it would lead to any of these places? No, of course not, because it's crazy. So what's stopping it from reaching the next level of crazy? I would say very little is, is standing in the way. Um, I want to I jump to this race in Georgia, though. This is very important. It's critical because if we don't win, we are going to end up like China, Okay. We're going to end up like China with an American CCP called the Democratic Party if we don't get serious and we don't fix the problems. You know, what's concerning to me is some people seem to almost have this attitude that the whole system's rigged, so let's keep doing the same thing by doing nothing. I don't understand that. You can't just accept that the system is broken and say, oh, well, it's broken, so let's just keep hitting our head against a wall. I mean, I, I don't understand where this comes from. So in advance, I'm going to tell you the tweets that I put out last night, they made a lot of people mad. Okay. I'm okay with that because I see my job as telling the truth no matter what. And, you know, I think that eventually when you tell the truth, the truth vindicates you automatically. When you tell the truth, you don't need to defend it because it will vindicate itself. I am going to explain it, however, so I'm going to go ahead and show you and I'll explain what I mean by these. So first one up, I said I was supportive for the election, but Oz, Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker were both terrible candidates. Stop voting for endorsements in primaries and just vote for the best candidate. That plus changes at the RNC plus beat the Democrats at ballot harvesting plus changing the corrupt fundraising game equals winning again. OK, and then I said, yes. Warnock and Fetterman are awful, truly awful. 
but Democrats turn out rabid to vote. Some soft Republicans and independents won't if they dislike a bad candidate. That's the truth. Not a matter of who's objectively better to you and I. It's a matter of who turns people out and wins independence. For those worried about voter fraud, get busy on your phone and email contacting voting members of the RNC. I'm going to post contacts tomorrow for you. Start asking them to vote for a new leader. Current leadership hasn't done what's needed to fight the problems we have. So let me explain this. First of all, I know some people go, oh, well, I'm upset. Why did you call them bad candidates? Being a bad, me describing somebody as a bad candidate does not mean they're a bad person, okay? I actually, frankly, like Herschel Walker as a, as a person. I think that he has fixed a lot of problems from his past. I think he genuinely does care about the country. I think he genuinely cares about Georgia. Um, he's not, you know, sort of like the evil establishment, uniparty politician that really I, I tend to loathe. Um, he, he's not a bad person. I'm just being objectively honest to you, okay? It doesn't matter what you and I think about Herschel, okay? The makings of a good candidate means someone who can turn out those soft Republicans and independents to vote as well, that they're not totally terrified of, that they're not afraid of, or that they're totally uninspired by, okay? These things are painful for candidates. They lead to things like last night. And for people who say, oh, well, there, there had to have been you know, fraud last night, because look at Georgia. Here's the deal. Georgia is a very unique state. If you've ever been to Georgia you know, and you've looked in, and seen what their politics are like under the hood, Okay, it's a place where Brian Kemp, who, by the way, is like the most anti-Trump candidate in the country, he won by about eight points, okay, um, in the governor race, something along those lines. It was a big win, okay? This should not have been hard, but the reason why it's hard is because there are a lot of soft Republicans, and you have to have a machine to turn out independents, okay? That is what Herschel lacked. He didn't connect with those people, and the thing about Southern politics in general there is a, a um, best way to describe it is, is a class system um, in terms of some of the way that voting matters. You know, there, there's an upper class in the South that really is very politically active. And if you can't connect with them, you're going to have a lot of trouble in races. And Herschel had trouble connecting by all accounts. Everybody I've talked to, he had difficulty connecting in that regard. However, another issue, fundraising. Okay, so Warnock had $140 million. Well, why? And what's what's with the gap? And we covered this in the Arizona race, the big gap in fundraising between Mark Kelly and Blake Masters. Fundraising does matter, but there's a lot of corruption in fundraising. The reason that you see somebody like Herschel having a lot of issues with fundraising is because of something, man, I wish I had it. Charlie, Charlie Kirk talked about this yesterday. There's a big fundraising scam going on on, uh, and I'm only going to focus on our side because our side's what I want to fix. So I don't care what the Democrats are doing with their fundraising. Uh, I care about what we're doing wrong so we can fix it. We've got these people out there who will send out emails and phone calls religiously. Some of them are really condescending and irritating in my opinion, but they send these out nonstop. Okay. And here's the truth they don't tell you. They'll say they're fundraising for Herschel Walker, but on the back end in the fine print, Herschel's only getting 5 or 10% of it for his campaign. The rest of it's going into consultant pockets. That's disgusting in my view. People work hard for this money, 
and it's a ripoff. And that's why I always tell people, go directly to the candidate's website, donate there, donate directly to them. Don't donate through one of these subsidiaries, through an email or, or somewhere else. If you get that email and you feel inspired to give, go directly to the candidate's page. The money actually goes to the campaign. But again, we have to get serious about micro-targeting. We have to get serious about the ballot harvesting, finding ballots. A lot of elections now is just who can find the most ballots, okay? And we have to be real about this stuff if we want to win. And so part of the issue that I was speaking of is this starts at the RNC. The RNC has a, a place in recruiting candidates because it is important to find good candidates uh, that are in alignment with what the base of your party wants and also is going to be able to, to push and, and inspire and swing over those soft R's and those independents I talked about. One of the things you look for there is minimizing baggage, okay? Herschel, as much as I like him as a person, as a candidate, had a, a lot of baggage, okay? And you could say, oh, well, Warnock did too. Again, doesn't matter, okay? Because we have to understand, Democrats have a very different group of voters. Their voters will show up if their candidate literally goes off a cliff with a, a, a prostitute in the car and the prostitute dies, okay? And I'm talking about, you know, Kennedy, obviously, not, not JFK, but um, Ted Kennedy, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They will show up and they will vote for the person, period. Okay. They're rabid about it. They will show up. They will vote. They will do their mail-in ballot. No questions asked. So I'm talking about our side. Baggage matters more. Okay. Because number one, the media is going to pump it up a hundred times more than they do for a Democrat. Okay. And in Herschel's case, a lot of it was in his own words from him playing Russian roulette with himself, with a gun to his head, him, you know, the, the allegations from wives and girlfriends. Those are much more difficult than random people where people can see through when the Democrats come up with an operation where they're having some random person, you know, attack and accuse you of something. Because obviously they're going to do stuff like that to good candidates who don't have baggage. But voters can see through that stuff. You see independents and you see soft R's see through that stuff. And they don't listen to it. But when it's your girlfriend or your wife and it's multiple of them, people take it much more seriously. When your own son, who is a Republican activist, comes out against you um, as a bad father, as an, uh, a not present father, you know, and as somebody who was abusive to their mother and things like that, these are very, very, very hard for a candidate to overcome. Um, and, you know, it's because a lot of those soft R's and independents, you know, they're, they're not as religious about voting for a specific party. And so they're okay with either staying home or voting for the other side. And we have to understand that and be able to realize that if we want to win, this movement wants to win, and that needs to be the goal of our party again, okay? Ronna McDaniel and the RNC are 0 for 5 in the last five most important, you know, key elections, okay? That includes two specials, three three congressional cycle races, um, and, and well, one of those is a presidential too. Um, you know, and they, they essentially gave up. They, so they're 0 for 5, and they've changed remarkably almost nothing. The only thing I'll give them any credit for is they spent some money on um, engaging Latinos, okay, in this last election. I'll give them a little credit for that because I saw the money actually go to these places. Only thing I'll give them. They didn't learn their lesson when it came to ballot harvesting, Okay. And ballot harvesting is becoming incredibly important. I can give you an example. In California, um, Republicans lost a lot of seats that had been considered pretty safe Republican seats. Um, not that long ago. I guess this would be six years ago now. They learned their lesson in one election cycle. The Democrats had legalized ballot harvesting. We refused to engage in it on the moral, you know, sort of issue that we don't believe in it. Well, the problem is Democrats kicked our butt. They won those seats. They flipped a bunch of stuff they shouldn't have flipped. And we learned our lesson.
California GOP got their stuff together. They put together a ballot harvesting operation. And guess what? They turned those seats back around, got them back in Republican control. And right now we would not have a majority without those seats that we ballot harvested to win. OK, because that's what's legal in California. In states where this is legal, we need these operations. And Ronna McDaniel has failed. Again, another issue, too, is when the RNC, when your party, your political party does not utilize your very best activists, your most engaged voters, you have a serious problem. OK. So uh, many of you are familiar with Scott Pressler, Pressler, okay? Scott has been all over the country, all over the place, knocking doors, registering voters, turning people out, and he has had remarkable success in the areas he's been able to do it in. A sensible party would empower somebody like him who has so much passion for this issue and would give him a budget so that he can build a team and do this in the most critical swing states on a larger scale, Okay. Our RNC has not even contacted him in these races to go out and, and do much of anything. Okay, that's inexcusable. There's a number of different issues. And so here's the thing. We've got this race coming up. And um, this is what I said. I said, if RNC voting members vote for the same chair, Ronna Romney McDaniel, it sends a message to voters that you don't care what they think. This kind of message is exactly why we're losing. Ignore your best Republican voters and activists at your own risk. The more out of touch the RNC is, the more we lose. And then this from uh, Ned Ryan, who's, who's very, very incredibly plugged in. He said, hearing that GOP chairwoman, Ronna Romney McDaniel, spent seven, seven I want to I highlight that, seven figures on private jets, six figures on staff spa retreats, tens of thousands on clothes at Nordstrom, all party funds, all party funds. Oh, and if we lose Georgia tonight, we did. She'll be 0 for 5 in elections while chair. Okay, let that sink in. This is small dollar donor money goes into the RNC. And little did they know, they're funding spa retreats, private jets, and clothes for the chair. Okay, again, donate directly to candidates until we get a new chair period. If you are a donor to the RNC, make a phone call and let them know that until we get a new chair, you're going to be donating directly to candidates. You will not be making a donation to the RNC because we need change. The only way to get that change is by using our voices. And so later, I'm taking the time to do the research, getting the email addresses together, but I'm going to put it out there so that you guys can email uh, the voting members and let them know what we want. And so who am I advocating for? I'm advocating for Harmie Dillon. She's also, uh, she happens to be my lawyer, but that's not why I'm advocating for her. I'm advocating for her because number one, she understands the base of the party. She understands what it takes to win. She's been intrinsically tied and involved in the California GOP ever since all that ballot harvesting effort. She understands how to do it, what needs to be done so that we don't lose states all over the country that we should not be losing. Okay. And she also understands what's broken, you know, so we understand in the Senate races, part of what's broken is the fact that, you know, Mitch spent millions of dollars in Alaska on the Senate race there to help Murkowski win. Well, here's the issue with that. No matter what happened in Alaska, whether Murkowski won or Toshiba won, we were going to get a Republican. So if you're really strategizing for us to have a majority, you spend zero dollars in Alaska because it was a Republican on a Republican. Even if you don't want to call Murkowski a Republican, it's still like it's in the R. Okay. 
okay? And so you spend no money there. Instead, he spent millions trying to back Murkowski to save her seat. And it worked. She was able to have her seat saved. But at what cost? That money could have flipped Nevada. It could have flipped Arizona. We're talking about very close margins, okay? And that misuse, that mismanagement is something that the RNC could also intervene on. A powerful RNC chair will go and they will intervene to make sure that good things happen. They will direct strategy across many different areas. They, they really can change the game in a lot of ways. And so, you know, you also look at the way that certain people in the establishment undermined great candidates. You know, um, I'm not even going to talk about my race. I'm going to talk about other races in the country. It happened in many different places. And when you see that happen and you don't have the RNC speaking up or worse yet, even being involved in some way, that is very hurtful to the future of the party and to inspiring trust within our voters and getting things on the right track. Also, you know, the party has not done a great job of explaining the nuance of the issues when it comes to voting and early voting. Because here's the deal. There are places where it is entirely safe to early vote that's controlled. It's in a Republican area. We know that the votes are going to be counted appropriately and it is safe to do so. And here's the other thing. If we don't explain the psychology behind why Democrats want early voting to be in place and we just sit there and act upset about it, it's going to turn out the way it turned out when we acted upset about ballot harvesting, when it became legal in California, we're going to lose. We have to deal with the cards that were given and beat the Democrats at their own game. If we don't do that, we will continue to lose. And so we need new leadership that understands this and is willing to do the work to beat Democrats at their own game. And that's why I'm going to be advocating for Harmeet, along with many other people who will do the same thing. Um, you know, I spoke about Mitch earlier. I just want to bring this story up. FTX, you're all familiar with FTX. I'm going to pull it down real quick. You're all familiar with FTX, okay? They gave a bunch of money to Democrats, bunch of money to Democrats, okay? Sam Bankman fraud, he gave all this money to Democrats. I think we're going to find it's even more than the ridiculous, you know, historic amount that is even public now. I think that it's going to come out that there was even more than that uh, based on some things that I know. And um, this came out today, though. FTX also funneled a million dollars to a super PAC linked to Mitch McConnell, the Senate Leadership Fund, on October 27th, just days before FTX declared bankruptcy. Okay. So a famously rabid leftist gave a million bucks to Mitch. But sure, let's keep him as GOP leader. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing fishy there. No reason you'd be taking that money. Nothing bizarre about it. To me, you know, I want leadership who understands, even on an ideological basis, even if there's no single thing that you're promised for that money, that you're not promising anything for it, okay? On an ideological basis, you refuse it based on knowing what that company and the fraud at the top of that company are all about, okay? I'd rather have clean hands than a million dollars. And I think we need leadership with that mindset. Obviously, we need to fundraise and fundraise and win, but you don't need to do it that way, okay? And when you take money from our enemies, it leads to natural questions. And I think that that's why, you know, among a million different issues, as I've explained before, we need a new leader in the Senate. Um, you know, this isn't going to be an incredibly long episode today because I, I've got to prepare for a special episode we're pre-taping with uh, unvaccinated soldiers. 
issue has been incredibly close to my heart. It's something I care a lot about because I've seen the effect on these families. I've I've heard, you know, the spouses in tears over how it's changed their lives. I can only imagine the way that the kids have had sleepless nights and things along those lines. And this is all at the hands of our own government. And what they've done is just so incredibly awful. So I'm in the planning phases of that. We're doing it very shortly here. And so I've got to jump to a lot of different things. But I did want to bring up um, two things before we go today. One is uh, Kirk Cameron here. Kirk Cameron has been denied a story hour slot by public libraries for his new faith-based kids book. Okay, His publisher has reached out to over 50 public libraries. And... They've basically been told the messaging does not align. In a country where Drag Queen Story Hour is celebrated and encouraged at every turn, a faith-based book by a famous actor, mind you, is deemed to not be a fit to be allowed to even be read in a public library. Okay? Kirk Cameron's not saying, hey, public library, you have to pay me all this money to do this. He's, he just wants to read the book. And they're saying, no, not a fit. Think about that. Think about how far gone we are in such a short period of time. Imagine somebody saying this, you know, 15 years ago. Imagine somebody saying, no, we've got Drag Queen Story Hour, so we can't have Kirk Cameron read a faith-based book because that's out of alignment with our values. They would have been torn to shreds. But now we're at this point of acceptance and silence. And this, again, is the danger of the silent majority I've talked about so much. There is nothing to be proud of in being part of a silent majority, okay? Um, it's, it's incredibly dangerous, honestly. And to just show you where it leads, silent majorities end like this. This is what will happen in America if we are silent and we don't stand up for what we believe in. Dear passengers, people who travel without tickets or behave disorderly or smoking in public areas will be punished according to regulations. So is that where you'd like to go? Because that's not where I want to go. I don't want to live under the hand of the CCP. Okay, I don't want to live under the thumb of tyrants. And we're well on the way there. And so we have to speak up on all fronts. We have to get rid of this culture that is so toxic, that sexualizes children, that, that destroys every piece of innocence that there is. Every, every sense of goodness that there is is attacked. Every sense of bravery there is is attacked is brought down with evil. And that's what we saw at the beginning of the show today when we look at this story with these, I, I hate even calling them men. They're an embarrassment to all men. These guys who are wearing these sexual kink masks in uniform, desecrating the uniform of our country, desecrating the bravery of the soldiers who've died in service of our country, while wearing that uniform and they're turning it into part of whatever sexual kink they're a part of. Okay. Now look, I'm not one of those people that tries to like knock on people's doors and find out what's going on in their bedroom. But when you shove this out there and you push this on the country and you try to normalize this, there's a problem. Okay. And I'm not going to make excuses for this type of behavior. 
and nobody else should either. There's no excusing it. This is not something that we can allow to be normal in our country, period. Because we have no moral backbone. We have no moral authority to tell anybody else how to live their lives in the world. None. We can't go to the Middle East and tell them, hey, what you're doing to women, what you're doing in Iran, forcing women to have their faces covered is not right. We can't do that. We can't. We can't with any moral authority while we're allowing this stuff to happen, while we're having our kids entertained by drag queens. Okay? We have no moral authority when our government is supporting this stuff. It'd be different if this was some fringe thing that everybody kind of agrees is crazy. Happens once in San Francisco. Everybody comes down hard against it. This is happening all over the country with all of this hedonism, all of this evil. And you know what? Some people I had a conversation. This is going to get into sort of religious territory. But, um, you know, I had a conversation with somebody recently where they said, I just don't understand why God would allow this to happen. Well, we have free will. As human beings and that's the thing about evil there's this this cyclical sort of piece of humanity that continues to happen you see it in the bible you see it now and it's that you know people come to god during hard times and at times human beings are prepared to be warriors through hard times and when they eventually find god and they get to a good place and the society is mostly moral, eventually complacency starts to set in. And when that complacency sets in, people get comfortable, they get weak. And when they get weak, that's when idols start to crop up. People create new things that they make their God. And when that happens, more evil seeps in. And the whole cycle starts over again. Okay. And you know, as much as I'd like to hope that cycle is not something that will continue into the future, it's something that is so biblical. It's it's something so ever-present throughout human history that I think I'd be a fool not to think that it will in some way probably continue in some sort of cycle. But we do have an opportunity in front of us to be a part of the resetting of this, of being a moral nation again, of setting a standard and beginning anew for our children and their grandchildren the opportunity to be on the right path, to do the right thing, to live in a moral country, to live in a country that does the right thing just because it's the right thing, that doesn't accept lunacy as reality. And so that's why we do what we do is I want to prevent us from becoming the CCP, from becoming those people on a train who listen to that social credit score message about what you must do to be in the favor of the eyes of the hedonistic government and the eyes of the tyrannical government. And so if we don't rise up, we don't, we don't use our voices, we aren't even willing to have uncomfortable conversations, then we're going to deserve what's coming for us. And so, you know, I get asked that a lot. Why do you do what you do? You know, why do you put so much time into this? You had this great career, you're making a lot of money, so on and so forth. Well, this is why. I do it for my kids, my grandkids, because I want to prevent that from being their future. I don't want them on a train with a social credit score where they can't get their money out of a bank because they had the wrong opinion. You know, I, I don't want that to be their reality. And, 
you know, I think maybe a couple of years ago would have even sounded crazy, but now, now it's so ever present that people can't deny this is a coming reality if we don't put the brakes on. And so this is why the RNC race matters. It's why, you know, the, the losses matter. It matters that we lost in Georgia. It matters that we're not doing everything we can to win. And so if we want to win, we want to fix this. It starts by cleaning out the RNC, new leadership, new direction, new strategy, because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Okay. That's what it is. So, you know, um, if, if you were one of those people who was upset at me because I called, you know, uh, Herschel and Dr. Oz bad candidates, here's the thing too. We have to have some sense of identity. Okay. Let's talk about Dr. Oz real quick before we go. Dr. Oz is a candidate who supported the transitioning of children, who helped to normalize the idea of children having sex changes, okay? That's a non-starter for me. I think that that's something that needs to be a hard red line. We do not elect people who help normalize sex changes for kids. I don't think that's a high bar to require of Republican candidates. And so when I said don't listen to endorsements, that goes for everybody, okay? Listen, you can love President Trump all day long. You know, I've been a big supporter of President Trump. But here's the deal. He doesn't know every piece of the semantics within a state's politics, okay? He's not always going to get it right when it comes to endorsements. We have seen this. Personnel, honestly, if you had to pick out a, a, an issue that was the biggest glaring issue for Trump, it was personnel. Always has been, you know? Go from... The general, you know, General Kelly, you know, um, the involvement of a lot of the people who were in the inner circle at the White House who stabbed him in the back. You got people like John Bolton, um, you know, bad, bad picks that that always seemed to turn on him or were complicit. I mean, look at Chris Ray. Chris Ray at the FBI right now is is a Trump pick. You know, it really turned on him. Bill Barr turned on him. You go on and on. It's a lot of people where you know you question the the choice. And so this was always an area that was an issue. And so on the endorsement front, we have to accept that's another area where you can't just say, well, he endorsed them. They must be the best person. We got to go with them. Just look at who can win this race and is a, is a very good candidate, is the best candidate in my eyes in terms of winning. Okay. And we also need to do a better job of identifying these people pre-primary and encouraging them to run. Because you want people who are ideologically strong, who are America first, you know, but very electable. And that means that not a ton of baggage, you know, doesn't have a million issue, hasn't cheated on their spouse, doesn't have secret kids, you know, like you want somebody who's, who's living their values. If they're not living their values, it's a problem. Okay. And so we've got to be real about that. And we've got to take this into our own hands, take these primaries very seriously and identify who is best within our own states. We're the ones living in our states. We know what works, what doesn't work, what's going to be an issue. I mean, you look at someone like Dr. Oz. I don't know about you guys. I've been to Pennsylvania, okay? And as much as Fetterman is a nightmare, we talked about this earlier, Democrats will show up and vote no matter what. So you can't compare us to them. You can't compare our candidate to their candidate because Democrats are never going to go, oh, well, our candidate's bad. We're not, we're not going to show up. They don't care. They showed up like a rabid pack of dogs to vote for Fetterman. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a 
not very intelligent comparison. But you look at somebody like Dr. Oz, if you've ever been to Pennsylvania, it is not a land of crudité. Okay. I don't know how many of you guys saw this. I didn't even know what crudité was until um, he had said it. I had to look it up. It's a fancy food. And uh, Pennsylvania is not the land of fancy food. Okay. I've been to Pennsylvania. I've been around the steel towns. I've been around all these places. It is a hardworking state. It is a place where you win elections with people who, who do manual labor going and voting for you. And any candidate who runs in a place like Pennsylvania who is likely to talk about things like crudite is probably a bad choice. And also, if you really want to inspire conservative, I mean, he had he had sort of the trifecta of weirdness in that he didn't inspire independence. Okay, soft R's thought he was a little cheesy, and then um, and some of them didn't like that he was like Trump's pick. And then you have the base couldn't stand him. We couldn't stand him because he was just like the the most vanilla. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. I mean, there's not really a nice way to say it. He's he's terrible on the issues. He's terrible on policy. This is a guy who was literally normalizing sex changes for kids. So we've got to do better, okay? We could have done a lot better than Dr. Oz. Kathy Barnett was fantastic. I think she could have increased our African-American vote in Pennsylvania, and that would have helped a lot. Um, you know, she she would have helped around the margins in many different areas, make people feel safe voting. I think the idea of voting for, you know, a uh, a strong conservative black woman would have been very attractive to the independent voters in that state. And, you know, that's just the reality. And she would have been ideologically much more conservative than Dr. Oz. But, you know, he was a TV doctor. So some people thought that was a good idea. Um, you know, that's it for the show today. Love you guys. Um, we'll be back next week's pre-taped episode is going to be very important. Going to need your help pushing that because it's hopefully going to really put a face to what is happening to our soldiers who are being fired and uh, frankly abused by our government with the vaccine mandate and what it's done to their families and uh, very important stuff. So uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Hopefully this gave some clarity to the tweets people got angry about. Um, if it didn't, well, too bad I can deal with that. And as I said earlier, the truth has a way of always vindicating you. And I believe I'm I'm giving you the truth, raw and real. And, you know, with time, if you still disagree with me, I think I'll be vindicated in that. But disagreement is healthy. You know, it's a healthy thing. Not healthy to always agree with each other. And uh, that's it. Talk to you guys soon.